Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Scollin, and each week I interview everyday people who have transformed their health and the amazing souls supporting them on their journey. Be inspired. Today I'm speaking with Melanie, an amazing woman who's recovered from adrenal and chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. But then three years later, she suffered severe depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. She's now in the best health of her life and teaches people to reclaim their health, happiness, vitality, and abundance. This was an incredible conversation and we could have talked for hours. So please let us know what you take away from it in the comments below. Well, welcome, Melanie, to the Holistic Health Podcast. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us from um, the Sunshine Coast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) And I'm really keen to dive into your story. You've certainly had a lot of challenges from the health and wellness space. And and like when we first caught up, you said, but I'm the healthiest I've ever been now. Um, Yes. Yeah. So tell me what life looks like for you right now. Life like right now, I live on the Sunshine Coast. And so I'm in an environment that I absolutely thrive in. Love the heat. Excited that we're coming into summer, um, you know, love the outdoors, so nature, beaches, mountains. So I'm living in a perfect environment and also, you know, living my passion as well, so helping people with health and wellness. And so these pieces of the jigsaw that I've been trying to fit together for years have finally all come together and, it, you know, it doesn't happen overnight but... Now I really feel like I'm in the right place after moving from the UK and moving around Australia and really trying to find where we want to be and what I want to do and what I'm passionate about. I finally feel like I'm actually here now. So it's amazing to be in that situation. Yeah, that's beautiful. And how long have you been in Australia for then? So I moved to Australia in 2003 three and uh, spent 12 years over in Western Australia mm-hmm. over in um, Mandurah just south of Perth and then came over to Queensland five years ago now yeah wow and were you doing the work that you're doing now um, in England or was it is this sort of new work yeah yeah new work so in the UK my mentality was very much like working for somebody else, didn't even think about working for myself, didn't even think about, you know, an online business or anything like that. I actually worked for pharmaceutical companies. So I always kind of say that I've gone from like the sickness industry to the wellness industry. And, you know, we we can touch on this further, but pharmaceuticals have a time and a place. But I spent 20 years working in the corporate world, in that industry, and just was on that treadmill of you go to university, you get a degree, you apply for your first job, and then you stay in the corporate world. So I'm glad that I've broken out from that because that certainly, you know, served its purpose but wasn't where I'm supposed to be in life. Yeah, and it certainly helps us grow, doesn't it, and evolve as a person. Like we learn so many skills and we learn what we don't like as well in that environment, in that corporate environment. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I believe my journey is exactly how it was supposed to have unfolded. And 20 years in that environment gave me a really good understanding of so many things that happen. And I feel like now I have a really balanced view because I come from that science approach. I've seen a lot of, you know, positive things that happen in pharmaceutical industry as well that often we don't get to hear about. 
Um, but now stepping into that role as a health and nutrition coach, I can balance that with the background that I've got as well. So it's definitely helped me so much. Yeah, that's awesome. So take us back to where your journey began. What was what was happening for you in the world at that point? What were some of the challenges and, and what was your like awakening to that there can be something else? Yeah, absolutely. So I was living over in um, Western Australia, over in Perth. So Perth's pretty isolated from the rest of Australia. And, you know, working in a corporate job, I was very blessed that I worked from home. So I had flexibility that I was based at home, my manager was based on the East Coast, but because of the distance from the rest of Australia, I was doing a lot of travel. So I was constantly on a plane, constantly in a hotel, which is really exciting at first. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to the airport and the Qantas staff are like, hey, Melanie, and, you know, the bus driver at the airport knows you and you're checking into the same hotel again for several times that month and you're away from home, it, it gets really tiring and it literally got to the point where I couldn't do anything on the weekends like I was so exhausted and I remember saying to one of my managers one day I'm so tired like you know I've done all this travel and then I'm expected to be back in the office at nine o'clock the next day and they said to me that's your job that's what you're expected to do that's the role that you have Uh, so when I worked for pharmaceutical companies I worked in setting up clinical trials. So I would be going around helping the medical staff set up the clinical trials, educating them about which patients put in clinical trials and then doing the auditing of that data. So it was a heavy workload and eventually it caught up on me. Mm. It caught up with me and, you know, I would just be there so exhausted on the weekends and just not being able to function. And then Monday would come around and we'd be doing it all over again. And that's not the way to live life. You know, that's not how I want to be living life or showing other people how to live life. And it caught up with me to the point that I ended up getting very sick. So I got chronic fatigue. I got um, adrenal fatigue. I got fibromyalgia. And it took quite a long time to be diagnosed with that. You know, you know something's wrong in your body and you go to the doctors and you get tested for everything. But with all those things, your blood tests come back normal. So my my GP at the time said to me, Melanie, be grateful that there's nothing wrong with you. Wow. Yeah, be grateful and get on with your life, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Something's not right. I can't function. Exactly. So you're sat in front of a GP in tears going, something is not right. Uh, It got to the point where I remember at Christmas sitting talking to a friend and she said to me, are you falling asleep? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Because I was that exhausted, I couldn't hold a conversation. Like I would be napping every afternoon. I couldn't socialise properly. Eventually put push for a referral to a specialist and was sent to a rheumatologist. And he said to me, yep, you've got fibromyalgia. There's absolutely nothing you can do for it. Here is a script for NDEP and you'll be on this medication like for the rest of your life. Wow. I looked at him. I laughed. I said, please don't write the script. I won't be taking it. He looked at me and laughed and he said to me, you'll be back. Mm. And I said, 
I won't be back. And I walked out with a script, which I've still got, just to make him happy, never file the script. And I thought to myself, I've been to, you know, a, a GP, uh, an integrative, holistic GP there was in Perth who had a naturopathic background, a naturopath, a rheumatologist, like all these people are bone therapists. And then I was like, nobody's asked me about my diet or lifestyle. Nobody. Do you know, even like the natural practitioners I was going to at the time would just prescribe herbs. Mm. And the herbs that I was given for my chronic fatigue actually made me worse. Wow. Wow. That's an incredible journey. And I know it resonates with so many of my listeners because I've already had feedback um, around the fact that we go to doctors and we get told that everything comes back clear. Like, yes, yeah, be grateful that you're healthy and you're like, actually, you're not testing for what I need you to test for. But then, which is one of the challenges, right? But then there's that extra diagnosis that you get fibromyalgia and then they go, and here's the medication that you're going to sit on for the rest of your life. And you're like, no, there has to be another way. Absolutely. So once you unpicked the fact that nobody had asked about your your diet effectively, what did you do from there? What was the next steps for you? So I've got a science degree, a science master's, like working in clinical trials. I'm involved in research. So I was like, okay, let's throw myself into this and do all the research possible and just take drastic action, like going what is going on in my life that I can change that I've got control over? Mm. And it took me another three years to resign from my corporate job. You know, I I kind of went on that healing journey, then I burnt out again, and then my husband said enough. You know, enough is enough. We can't carry on like this. So aside from that, because that was a big step for me to take to actually walk away from a a well-paid job and a a secure job, I looked at what else I could control. So I looked at, you know, the food that we were consuming and and I didn't have that much knowledge. So I look back now with the knowledge I have now and think I could have done so much more, you know. But what I did was enough to set me on that healing journey. So I went on to study nutrition coaching and wellness coaching with Wellness Coaching Australia, and I just started to make changes myself. Yep. So I'm, I'm an all or nothing person. So, you know, like I dropped dairy instantly. Um, I've realised, and I'm very connected to my body. I'm very intuitive with what's going on. So I realised that if I consumed dairy, my body would ache. Mm. My body would be really heavy. So I made that connection. And for me, it was an easy decision to say no more dairy. Mm. That's affecting my health, you know. I also, like, drastically increased my intake of um, fruit and vegetables, Like at that stage, I was a vegetarian, but we probably weren't the healthiest of vegetarians. So we would have had like the the fake meat sausages and, you know, things like that. So they all got dropped. They all went out the window. I dropped caffeine. If we went to a coffee shop, then my husband would have a coffee. I'd have a fresh juice. Mm. 
This was before anyone was talking about, you know, the medical medium or any of those protocols at all. I was just intuitively listening to my body and doing my research when I was studying at the same time. And so I would make really um, high fruit smoothies and Mm. consume a lot of them. And then gradually I was able to start increasing my running again. Like I'd had to stop running because one of the things that happened to me was that I was left, as I was starting to get better, I was left with a severe shortage of breath and I would just have a tightness on my chest all day and nobody could explain it. My GP thought I had asthma, exercise-induced asthma, Nobody was able to put their finger on it. And it was only when I got referred to a a sports doctor over in Perth who basically said, you've got a symptom of like a post-viral condition. Mm. So, you know, you've had the adrenal fatigue, the chronic fatigue, and this is like a lingering effect from it Mm. after. So I was able to work with her and, and work with that and also the mindset side of things for me with that was huge like I was having to pull back on my running and you know realize that the marathon that I'd signed up for in 2012 I think it was wasn't going to happen 2011 wasn't going to happen I had to be realistic and go that needs to be delayed and just my health is more important than pushing my body and that's what I've realized is being kind to myself and not constantly pushing myself. Because when you work in the corporate world, you're constantly having that push from other people just to keep going, just to keep showing up every day. No matter how tired you are, that's what's expected. Mm. And it's only when I started to take control of my own health and put boundaries in place was I able to, to start healing. Yeah. And that would have led to the boundaries that you put in place around your corporate life as well to say, I can't do this anymore or, you know, whether it not necessarily leave the job but you said it took you three years but there would have been some boundaries that you put in that space along the way, I imagine. Um, And shifting out of the corporate world is a shift in identity, isn't it? So you're actually going from this is what I've been told that I need to be or believe that I need to be um, all my life and now what's next? And that can be a really scary move. It's such a scary move because at that time of my life, the people I was surrounded with were all working in nine to five jobs and, you know, all in that environment. And I even just, I'm laughing now because I was always a bit of the, the oddball one within the industry when I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. Do you know, I, I remember going to, a meeting in Melbourne and somebody saying they had a headache and I was like oh I have an essential oil that can help like it will really like assist with how you feel this evening and everybody just looked at me and said no thanks I've got paracetamol or I've got neurofin and <laughs> like everyone thought I was just a little bit on the on the fringe as it were you know even even those days so interesting then just taking that big step to move out of that because 
Yeah, we didn't know anyone in that situation that mm. was working for themselves or working online and that's who I'm completely surrounded with now but very, very different in those days. And I was brought up in an environment that what you do is go and work for somebody else and, yeah. and work really hard and those long hours are just expected. That's right, and you do that for the rest of your life. And, you know, uh, credit to my father, he was in the same organisation for the, the, his entire career and that was what they did back then, I get. Um, but like I know from myself, working for somebody else, I think the, the current contract that I've, I've got with a, an agency that's been going for five years and that's the longest time I've stayed with anybody. Like I tend to then shuffle, even if I'm shuffling within jobs, because I need that growth, I need that stimulation, I need to go to the next level. And I think when you move into your own business, which is what I'm doing and what you've been doing, um, that stimulation just comes naturally because you're right in your zone like you're not looking for anything else you know you're right where you need to be and then you keep growing in that space yeah absolutely you you do because you start connecting with different people like it was a massive shock because we did a double whammy at the same time so I left my corporate job and then we decided to move to the other side of the country so from Western Australia to Queensland so you know it was like we're not just going to change one thing or ease into it part-time you know like that's what I would actually really recommend people do is (laughs) is slowly ease into working for themselves part-time and I, I did do a little bit of coaching on the side like in the evenings and stuff but then it got to the point where you're so exhausted with your you know your day job you're trying to show up and you can't show up effectively as a health and nutrition coach if you're exhausted yourself. So yeah. Yeah. I just made that break and then we moved to the other side of the country. So that that posed a new set of challenges as well. Yeah, but it's also also a shedding. Like you shed all the old stuff of being in WA and working that corporate life and and I'm sure you've still got some beautiful friends over there, but you've shed all of that and then recreated like like a, a butterfly. You've you've recreated yes. yourself on the sunny coast, which is I it. love that. And I feel like I could never fully step into who I was in WA because I had this corporate title around me. And you're right, we had some beautiful friends and we have some beautiful friends over there. And I get a lot of comments from them now about you seem so content and happy in Queensland. And it's not just Queensland. It's because I've been able to fully step into what I'm actually supposed to be doing. Yeah. And from that place, once you step into that uh, full version of yourself or into the work that you're meant to be doing in the world, you are in complete alignment and then you get all this energy from that. Like you're no longer just you know, this withering flower that's pushing and trying to strive and never get to where they need to be, now you just are and you keep growing in that space. Oh, absolutely. Just And in, in five years that I've been working for myself and living in Queensland, so much has changed because I used to be very much into the victim mentality state, you know, and it was always somebody else's fault. Yeah. And my mindset has shifted so much in the last five years with my personal development and my growth with stepping into that new role. 
Yeah, and that's beautiful that you've been able to do that, like, and just that created that awareness and you know that personal development is just part of who you are now and you just keep keep going forward. Like I I will call it like an addiction, <laughs> but yeah. a good kind of addiction. I love it. Um, so I'm constantly learning and constantly curious about things. There's no right or wrong. It's just what are we learning today and what can, how can we evolve through that? Oh, absolutely. And it is a constant involvement. You know, it's it's not that's it, you've done the work. Like, yes. here I am now, I'm, I've made it. <laughs> like, there's always, you know, challenges to overcome and I've had a really challenging week and I got to the point today where I'm like, I've got control over this. Mm. I can have my own little pity party every day and and blame other people, but the only person that can take responsibility for what's going on is yourself. Mm. And you're in control of being able to, to shift those, those moods and those states that you're in. And there's certain things that I, I can do or I, I know to go to that will enable me to change that vibration yeah. easily now. Yeah, it's incredible. I love that because it's sitting with those emotions and allowing them to flow through you and going, these aren't my thoughts. I can't, there's no point projecting them onto somebody else because I don't care about it. It's all yeah. up my own head. So let's go, what are the thoughts? How am I not turning up for myself? If I'm projecting out to somebody, I'm actually not turning up. So how can I do that better? Yeah, absolutely. I've just signed up for a mindfulness meditation teacher training. So I'm just finishing level one now this weekend and then level two starts in November and that's raised all kinds of things for me about you know the resistance and stepping into that resistance and really just being rather than just doing because I've come from that background where it is just do 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 the whole time and I've had to really work to not feel guilty about that and and to allow myself to actually sit and be and that's so super important in the crazy crazy world that we live in yeah absolutely I remember creating a to-do list for myself once and then it was I got it printed up so that then I had like the daily to-dos and I had the weekly to-dos and then I realized some of those to-dos were being they weren't, yes. they weren't doings, they were beings. I just had to be that person. I had to be love and I had to be kind and whatever else was on the list. I was like, oh, there's actually a difference between what is to do and what is to be yes. and we need to embody more of that to be. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. and that's a, a fine art to be able to learn that skill. Totally. So come back to some of the symptoms that you were having with the chronic fatigue, uh, fibromyalgia and the... Is it adrenal? Oh, you had adrenal fatigue as well. What were some of the symptoms that you were going through at that time when you didn't have a diagnosis? So the main one was just pure exhaustion. Mm. Like I'm a very high-energy person and because I've completely embodied who I am, I'm probably more high-energy now than I was then. Um, But I, I just literally couldn't do things. So I was very blessed because I worked from home. And didn't, you know, I don't know how I would have been able to do it if I was working in an office with a manager there because I used to go and have nana naps every afternoon. Mm. And, you know, be able to manage my time depending on how I felt. So I, I remember one day emptying the dishwasher and just crying because I was so exhausted and just wondering what is going on and, and what happened. And 
whole body aches, like my body would just ache big time. And for somebody who was very active, I had to just completely pull back on my exercise because I just wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to recover effectively and I wasn't able to just live day to day because I just didn't have the strength. Um, like I had that shortness of breath as well. So that would that would then build into an anxiety of why have I got such shortness of breath? Is there something seriously wrong with me? You know, that monkey mind and then go on a, a whole new tangent and just that brain fog, just absolutely exhausted and that brain fog. Yeah, and it sounds like you would have been completely overwhelmed, like I just have this mountain of things that I've got to achieve yet I'm not well and I can't fix that. And so you're just trying to unpick the little things that you can do um, and perhaps more you focused on the corporate life because I could get those things done, whereas your health, you're kind of like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the one of the biggest problems for me at the time was I kept showing up. Yeah. And when you have an illness like I had going on, nobody knows that you're sick. You know, you may look like a bit tired, but nobody knows how fatigued you are. Nobody knows the body aches that you've got. Nobody knows the anxiety and the shortness of breath going on. Mm. So you just keep smiling. And that's Mm. how I was brought up, that you just push through and you just keep smiling no matter what's going on. (laughs) Externally or internally, it doesn't matter. And so that doesn't help because you're completely kidding yourself. And you don't have the support around you because people are not aware what's really happening for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you're just saying, I'm fine. No, I'm good. Yeah. And you're not really. No. <laughs> and I think- Until you fall asleep talking to a friend and then yeah. you realise you have a big problem. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think that's the importance of saying to somebody, not how are you, uh, hi, how are you? It's how are you feeling today? And actually breaking that down and asking people to be, you know, giving people the opportunity to be more conscious in those questions rather than, you know, just go on to autopilot because the biggest response I always get is not bad. And I'm like, can I put my hand up? What does not bad mean? Is it not good? That's right. But like what does that look like? So can we yes. can we actually take the time to feel our emotions and go, I'm sad today or I'm happy today or I'm angry right now and just in this moment. And it's really important to be with those feelings as well and to to wait for somebody's response and to actually be prepared for somebody's response. You know, if you're going to, it's not like when you go to the supermarket, you know, you're not going to come out with what's going on for you to the person serving you. But if you genuinely ask a friend what's going on for you today, how are things, you need to be able to expect a response that may not be, yeah, everything's great. Mm. You know, and that's what I've really become good at is being there for other people because of this health journey that I have been on. That's right. And not, not, and not being the person that has to fix it for them because you can't. Yes. We can't yeah. fix each other's problems. We can just hold space, listen, just go, you know, well, that's pretty, that's bad. You know, like Mm. (laughs) you're not coaching them, you're being a friend. So you can hold their hand and go, I'm just going to give you a cuddle or can I just hold some space for you? Can I have a kind conversation and that would be enough? Or shall we go for coffee or, you know, a juice or whatever it is, should we just go for a walk in the park and then you can help help them vent and work through what's going on for them? 
Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people are in that negative frame of mind because they feel nobody's there to listen to them. Yeah. And they just want somebody just to take that time just to be there for them. Yeah. Because you can be so lonely in today's world, even though you're surrounded by so many people, and we think we're all connected now because we've got social media and we've got X amount of friends or X amount of followers. And the truth is you can still be very lonely. And that, that's the journey that I went on when I arrived in Queensland, that suddenly I wasn't in an office with people every day. I was working for myself. We knew like two people over here who obviously had their own lives as well. And suddenly you're just scratching your head about, you know, why did we move and is this going to work and Mm. how hard it was then to start all over again, meeting people. Mm. Yeah, but you did it, right? But you took one step after the other and you did it. Same with your health journey. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I said to somebody the other day, like my motto when I say to people now is day by day, step by step. Mm. And that's all that you can do. That's right. And you just pick one thing, work towards that, stay constant, keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, and don't get caught up in the fact that you may not have, you know, say one thing was not to eat grains and that particular day you felt like a piece of toast and you ate it. Don't beat yourself up over it. Just start again tomorrow. Just uh, start again in the moment. Just yeah. keep moving forward. Yeah. So important, so important. And, you know, not to put those rules in place. Like if I look back now, I was super strict with myself. Like I, you know, maybe go to a coffee shop with my husband and want a cup of tea, but in my head I was like, no, I have to have a juice because I'm on this healing journey. And I stuck a label on myself. So I am vegetarian or I am a vegan. And then you can't step outside of that box. And now Melanie eats the Melanie diet. That's what I always say to people. People say, like, how do you eat? And I said, I eat the Melanie way. So I listen to what my body is after because my body's constantly changing. You know, like the environment in Queensland is different to the environment in WA. So there are no rules anymore. Mm. You know, I obviously don't go crazy. I'm still very healthy. But there's no labels I put on myself and no box that I put myself into. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important, that whole regression. It's not regression, but there can be moments of regression where you kind of come back. It's not the tea, but, you know, we just went on a three-week trip through um, BNT to get into Queensland and I reckon we ate a packet of Doritos every single day. (laughs) (laughs) I call it, it's probably the Dorito trip is what I call it. And now we're coming back to (laughs) detox off the Doritos. (laughs) Um, yeah. So obviously there was something comforting and um, something about though that packet of chips that I would have obviously used to have as home or when I was growing up and I just used to love them. So I needed that comfort. I needed that certainty of those chips every day Absolutely. as opposed to while we're in a completely uncertain environment. And, yeah. now to, and then to be able to go, okay, I'm here now. I don't need the Doritos. I have my bed. I have everything that I need. Let's yeah. just let those go and just move on with life and have one occasionally but not have not, not have it back in a day. And to, yeah, acknowledge that, as you say, that, yeah. you know, what was happening and, and what that meant to you at the time. And you just remind me a story of going to a barbecue last summer and turning up with my cool bag and three people came over to me and they said, oh, what does Melanie eat? 
And I was like, this is a bit intense. And I opened my cool bag and we'd had a really busy day and we bought like two dips on the way to the barbecue. And they said, oh, Melanie doesn't make her own dip. She's bought them. (laughs) And I said, I'm far from perfect. You know, we all have situations where like I do make a lot of food from scratch but there are times where you're just like oh we've got this going on and we'll just pop into the supermarket and buy something like a bag of chips and some dips to take to a party or something and it's so important that you don't judge and stick a label on Melanie shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do this and give yourself a hard time over it. Yeah that's exactly right and I remember um someone very close to me who said to her mother and went, oh, honey, Susie's eating chips. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, she's allowed to eat chips if that's what she chooses. It's okay because we're human. We're allowed to have a human experience and not just sit there and Absolutely. go, well, put ourselves labels on ourselves and say, no, we don't eat that. And often when we put the label on it, we're the hardest on ourselves once we do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then we beat up on ourselves if we don't fit into our own little container or label that we've put on ourselves. Very much so. And, you know, we we can be hard on ourselves and hard on other people. I went to, I was very fortunate, I went on a fitness holiday to Tahiti a few years ago with two of Australia's top fitness trainers and one of them was eating Doritos. And I remember we all just almost had like a sigh of relief because we knew we were going to be intensely trained through that week and it was going to be hard, but it was going to be fun as well. And when we saw them eating this bag of Doritos, we were like, oh, thank goodness. Like they're human too. Yeah. It was really hysterical how we all do do that without realising. Yeah, and we take that sigh of relief. So come back to, we want to come back again to, you know, your challenges, but what are some of the lessons that you've learned throughout your career and your time on, you know, time on the planet, but particularly through that health journey? What are some of the lessons that you can share with some of our listeners? Yeah, sure. So my number one lesson would be like not to be so hard on yourself. Mm. Like, you know, we all go through, someone said to me the other day, they don't have problems, they have challenges, which I absolutely love. You can take away that word and replace it with a a challenge that you've got to overcome. And being kind to yourself when you're overcoming these challenges is so important because we're our biggest critic. Mm -hmm. You know, like we beat ourselves up so much and it's important that we just give ourselves that space to heal and give ourselves that time. And there's no... There's no rules, like throw the rule book out. There's no rules that says I have this diagnosis, therefore I should be doing this and should. Like always say never should on yourself. It's like a really um, harsh word to be using. And so kindness starts from within, you know, and then it spreads out to, to the rest of the world and, over the last few years, I've just taken on like a, a new lease of life in terms of what I do. So like affirmations and journaling and those kinds of tools that I never had when I had chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia that would have really helped me step into that next level. Mm. So it's 
It's just being with where you are when you're in that situation and realising you may not have all the answers. You know, at the time that I was very sick, I discovered essential oils. So that was another tool to add to my tool bag. And now I drink like filtered ionised water. So I drink like the best possible water. So that's another tool for me to add to my tool bag. There's no one answer that's right for everybody and there's no one answer that's right for everybody at the same time. So what I do now is different to what I did 10 years ago and every single body is completely different. So you know, don't compare yourself to other people. That's a huge one. Yeah, and don't compare yourself to yourself 10 years ago or five years ago or two months ago. Be okay with the shift and ebb and change of your body and what it needs today may not be what it had yesterday. Yeah. In that space, yeah. Absolutely. You know, environmentally I'm in a different place. Hormonally 10 years on, you know, I'm in a different place. There's so much that constantly changes with our environments and the people that we're surrounded by that we just need to be adapting to the circumstances that we're in at the time, not I am this and this is what I do for the rest of my life. Like throw that out the window. Exactly. Coming back to that, working with one company, working for one company for 40 years, Throw that out. If that's what you choose to do, that's fine. Do it as a conscious choice. But throw it out and go, what do I want to create? And do that, yeah, do that in every area of your life. Absolutely. And that's what I say to people. If you find something that you love, you know, whether it's a a way of eating or a way of exercising or you get up early or you don't get up early, if it works for you, stick with it and do it. Awesome. Just don't expect to be able to convert everybody else to be doing that way of thinking. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? I remember having a conversation with a friend years ago and she said, when's the best time to exercise? And at the time Hmm. I said to her, well, it's morning, right? The morning is, and she goes, oh, I can't get out of bed. So do it at your own time. Like that's all it's, you just got to pick what works for you and go with it and stick with it um, and allow it to evolve because sometimes you're not going to feel like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very much so. I went on to, in the last few years, study like epigenetics. So, you know, I, I was able to say to people, well, ideally you thrive on working out early in the morning, whereas if you work out early in the morning, your body's going to go into more of shock, it's going to hold on to the weight. And, you know, people would say, well, you're telling me it's best to exercise at four in the afternoon, but I've got my kids home from school then and it's just not going to work so you just you know you adapt to what's going on for you and as you say there's no one way of doing things and it's all about sometimes just experimenting and finding what works for your your lifestyle and your family situation yeah that's so true now you mentioned before that you're vegetarian or were vegetarian are you still vegetarian now no so I went on a journey when when we moved to Queensland and I went into a an anxiety depressive state of you know working for myself and not knowing anybody <clears throat> and uh coming from that corporate world of always pushing myself always setting goals like I had 
run a marathon. Then I decided to run like a 50K ultra because a marathon wasn't far enough, you know, so let's do an extra few Ks on the end. And then I came up with this, what seemed like an amazing idea at the time to run from the Sunshine Coast to the Gold Coast. So I had it in my head that it was going to take four days. I was going to do about 50 Ks a day for four days. So an ultra marathon a day. And it's fair to say at the end of that, I had completely depleted myself. I was exhausted. I was very depressed. And suddenly in a situation where my health had taken a massive step back again. So, you know, we find ourselves in this situation of going like on another healing journey. And I was very blessed to find an amazing holistic GP. And it was actually me that said to him, would it make a difference if I started eating eggs again? And he looked at me and he said, I believe you've got um, severe nutritional deficiencies. We'll, we'll test you. We'll do some blood work. It would make a huge difference. But that choice is yours. He said, I'm not telling you what to do. He was always very professional in that it was my decision. Mm-hmm. So I started eating eggs from a, a neighbour. You know, I wanted to come from that background of knowing where my food was coming from so I started eating eggs started taking fish oils and I am absolutely not kidding like within a week I felt like a different person and then within a few months I was like I feel like eating fish like fish was always very hard for me to drop Mm. and having two dogs at the time I would open the can of fish for them and be going oh I'd love to eat this but I can't because I'm vegan Mm. you know going back to I'd put that label on myself and so I sourced a local fisherman who caught the fish himself who could tell me exactly where things came from like that's super important for me to know where my food comes from and I remember the first time I just ate some fish being so grateful to have this opportunity to get my health back up and running I thought, this is what I've been missing. And I always felt that I had difficulty converting the essential fatty acids from plants along that pathway and that I had to go to the source. You know, I had to go to get the actual fish oils to make a difference in my body. And my health just dramatically turned around from being very depressed, very anxious, underweight, and giving my body a really hard time running ridiculous kilometres. Inspiring, inspiring (laughs) kilometres. A little bit crazy. But my health turned around so quickly and I knew that it was diet-related and I knew deep down that this is what I wanted to now do. And as long as I was comfortable in that situation, then it really, you know, benefited me if I was able to source it from the correct places. And that just started like a whole new journey. Within 12 months, I said, I really want to have a piece of red meat. Mm. If I couldn't source it from the correct place, then that's what my body's craving. 
And I'm constantly tuning in going, what does my body need? What does my body require? And my my diet now is predominantly like plant-based with some fish and some, some red meat like once a week or so. And that works really well for me now. Right. That's that's exactly what Melanie's body requires at the moment. Yeah, that's Melanie's diet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so every, important. Yeah, and every single human on the planet has their own version of their diet. It's not yes. it's not go out and follow what everybody else is doing. It's follow what your what your body is telling you that it's craving and that it needs in those moments. Very much so. Yeah. So when you gave up, I know there'll be people that's listening and are going, well, if you give up all your dairy, how do you get your calcium? Yeah. And I'm sure you can answer that question for me because there's lots of other foods out there that we can get calcium through. Um, how did you how did you supplement that to get your calcium? Yeah, it was interesting because if we just go back like a few few years when I was doing a lot of running, I got a couple of stress fractures. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to I got referred to an endocrinologist because nobody could work out why I'd got the stress fractures. So for me, looking back now, it's because I was doing too many kilometres too soon and in the wrong shoes and, you know, just pushing my body. But I remember the endocrinologist said to me, it's because you don't have dairy in your body. And they sent me off for a bone density scan, which was normal and surprised them. And they were like scratching their heads going, oh, okay. Because as you say, there are so many other ways that you can get calcium. Like if you have an overall good nutritious diet with other things, you actually don't need to be having like dairy in your diet. You know, you can look at tahini and sesame seeds and, and kale and broccoli and almonds and many other things that can be introducing calcium. And also it's just like a much bigger factor than calcium. Mm. So you need to be looking at your vitamin D intake. And then if you're taking vitamin D, you need to be supplementing with vitamin K. So, you know, there's a lot of things that all come together. And where can you source those things from naturally? Or can you go and sit in the garden to top up your vitamin D? And, you know, do you have enough magnesium for your bone health? So it's not like as simple as just saying you've removed dairy or cheese from your diet. So your bones are going to suffer because you're not getting calcium. Yeah, yeah. And it is a complex puzzle which people need to get support with to move through. Yeah. It's not just going to the supermarket and picking up, saying iron supplement um, with some folate in it, which is better for you than just a straight iron supplement. But then you've got to get, yeah. the, got to get the vitamin C to help the iron absorption. That's and right. Yeah, it's a, it's a bigger piece of the puzzle than just grab, some, grab a, um, an iron supplement or a calcium supplement. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, it's all interconnected. If your gut health isn't good, then you're not going to be absorbing your iron as well. And that has another knock-on effect. So it's super important to get the right support. That's right. And like you said, the gut health is really important because if you're not, if your gut isn't set up, isn't healthy as or as thriving as it possibly can with the microbiome in there you could be taking all this stuff and it's actually not going anywhere near your body like it's just going straight through and out um, yeah. and you're not getting the benefits of it anyway yeah so much comes back to gut health really it does. important it does. yeah I was talking to someone the other day I think it's it's 80 percent of your serotonin is developed is is um produced in your gut 
So your happy yes. hormones, it's a, you know, that's huge. So if your yes. gut isn't happy, your serotonin's not going to be kicking along either and therefore you're not going to be happy and you're like, why am I eating this chocolate? Why am I drinking this alcohol? I'm trying to create that happiness which is should be created or can yeah. be created in the body. And there's so many myths out there like, oh, you know, I can take on Butcher, that's going to help my gut health or, yeah. you know, I just, just need to do um, sauerkraut every day. And, again, it's just finding what's right for you. And, yeah. and for me, um, I'm very sensitive to fats. So I had um, a microbiome test last year to look at like a, a stool sample and just analyse exactly what's going on with my my microbiome and that told me that I have to be careful of fats. And now I do DNA testing and my DNA testing came back and said you have to be really careful of your lipid profile because if you consume too many fats, then you're going to have problems with that. So it's interesting because a few months ago someone said to me, oh, you know, the keto diet's amazing and the, the, um, the carnivore diet and we just need to increase our fats. And I said, well, it's not going to be right for everybody. And they said, no, you just need to ease into it. You just need to up your fats over time. Yeah. And I know for many people, I have friends that have done keto and they thrive on it. And then you have other people that are like, why am I suddenly getting problems? Because their body can't cope with that extra fat that they're having. Yeah. And it just goes back to that finding what's right for you. Yeah. And that was definitely my experience with keto was my body started eating itself, not in mm. a healthy way. So I built up all this muscle and then I was doing keto at the back end of my program to, to try and shred, but it actually ate my muscles. So yes. my body started to eat it because that's what it needed for fuel. So, yeah, ketogenic adding on all those fats is way is too much for me but if I can yes. add in the healthy fats and add in um, and balance that with the complex carbohydrates then I get a really good balance and I can move from that space yeah absolutely yeah. that's right there's no one way of eating no no and yeah we come back to the Melanie diet don't we yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm a massive believer in self-love. That's been a cornerstone of everything that I do and where my journey certainly started from. What's one thing that you do regularly for self-love, whether that be every day or just um, ad hoc, but one thing that you really love? So for me, it would be getting out in nature. That's a really um, big thing for me. And, you know, I grew up in the UK and we moved out to Australia primarily for an outdoor lifestyle and to to experience what we didn't have growing up. And like I touched on earlier, this climate really suits me. I have a local mountain that I climb at least once a week and just being in nature in that environment and those elements, it just does something for my soul and it's also a good social, like there's always people climbing the mountain, super friendly, and it's good to have those connections and, and get out in nature, whether it's, you know, going up early for sunrise or going up in the afternoon and it's a bit more social. Just that's the way that I give back and, and connect. 
Yeah, that's beautiful because it does help us um, with our hormones. Like it does create happy hormones in our body. And Mm. really, if you can do it, obviously, in the morning, that's great. But if it's something you look forward to at the end of the day, just make sure it's a practice that you you have is getting out, doing the exercise. But if you can get out in nature, it's like a double dose, isn't it? Yes. Getting the beautiful mother nature with you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, my n- next question was around service and being of service to the world. You've provided us with heaps of amazing information today. So what's something that we can do to serve you? What would be something that would be inspiring for you to, um, in terms of feedback perhaps from the listeners that could, yeah, that they could feed back into your life? Mm, great question. So it goes back to learning to be kind to ourselves. But also I love doing, um, and it really inspires me when other people do it, is just random acts of kindness, yeah. you know. So it doesn't matter what it is, it really doesn't. It, there are so many ways to be able to do this and it really lights me up and I try and do it as much as possible. And you don't have to make it public. You know, it's not the kind of thing that you have to just share with social media that you've done. But if you can do something small for people throughout your week, it really lights me up that we can have that ripple effect in the world. Yeah. And it'd be great if everybody could come back to the, um, you know, the social media posts that we do with this podcast and actually come back and share how they're um, lighting up the world in their own special way so we can create like a little community of thoughts or yeah. community of ideas would be really lovely. I'd love that. That would be so beautiful to be able to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in the world. How are you, you know, you've had this incredible journey. What are you now doing and how can people reach you? Oh, yeah. So, you know, my journey has allowed me to learn so much that I can now share with other people. And I'm really passionate about inspiring people to live life to its fullest. So, you know, I I genuinely am this happy and this positive most of the time because that's how I live my life and that's how I want to inspire other people. So, yeah, I do this with my positive psychology wellness coaching, my nutrition coaching, my health coaching, because I like to see people fully step into who they are and to be able to live on purpose and really empower people to live for what they're actually here for. I really believe we're not here to work the nine to five for the next 40 odd years and then you know retire and that is it there is so much more to life that we can give for ourselves and give back to other people and I've done several presentations at um, a holistic cancer center and this is something else I'm really passionate about is supporting people with their cancer journey because I've worked in so many oncology trials and seeing, you know, that side of things. And nobody talks about how to support people holistically with their diet, for example. So that's another area I'm really passionate about. So just overall, like when people say what lights you up, I'm like, you know, nature, sunrises, health and good food and farmer's markets and that side of things. Which are really the simple things in life, right? When you come back to it, they're really simple. 
Yes. And they're things that everybody can do. Very much so. Yeah, and just, like, getting back to our inner child. Mm. You know, like, jump on those swings with your child or without your child and, yeah. and do those things that you don't get to do because we're sometimes taught, you know, not to have fun, that life is very serious and it yeah. can be, like, just going back to that, you've got to work hard mentality. So get out there and have as much fun as you can. Time's really precious. Time is precious and we need to make the most of what we have just in this moment because we don't Mm. know what tomorrow's bring, but let's enjoy these moments that we do have. Yeah. So we'll link to all your social media handles in in the show notes, which would be great so people can come and find you in social media. But thank you so much, Melanie, for your time today. I've really enjoyed the whole conversation. I'm sure we could go for hours especially diving into that health, you know, that whole health and wellness minefield of, of beautiful opportunities that people can um, choose to, uh, you know, explore for themselves. And I think that's the, the beauty of the work that we're doing here. So thank you so much for everything you're doing in the world. And I look forward to everybody. I look forward to sharing this with everybody, but also look forward to people coming and finding you and sharing what lights them up um, from what you shared today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity and thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you for joining me on my Holistic Health podcast. It's been great to have you and I have a few small favours to ask so we can spread the word about this podcast further and encourage others to dive into their health journeys. Firstly, head over to susanscollin.com and tell us what resonated with you. Secondly, subscribe and leave a five-star review. The next thing I'd really love you to do is to share this episode with someone you love and head over to my private Facebook group, Holistic Health with Susan Scollin, and continue to up-level your own health and wellness. Thank you so much for being here.